0: Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today we're talking with Dr. Evan Anderson of the Anna Shaw Children's Institute in Dalton. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Anderson.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Dr. Anderson is a child psychologist at Anna Shaw Children's Institute at 1201 Burleson Road behind Hamilton Medical Center in Dalton, Georgia. Dr. Anderson graduated from the University of Central Arkansas with a Ph.D. in Counseling Psychology and completed his internship in Pediatric Child Clinical Psychology at the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Anderson, how long have you been with Hamilton?
1: I've been working there a little over a year.
0: What do you like to do in your spare time, Dr. Anderson?
1: Um, what's that? Um, <laughs> I love I love playing racket sports. I love racquetball. I love tennis. Um, I've recently uh, rekindled my love for reading, uh, both fiction and nonfiction, and I love to go on walks with my family.
0: What? That's great. Now, why did you choose to become a child psychologist?
1: You know, um. I remember early on in my, my education, I was I was uh, doing some rotations in adult clinics, and um, I just noticed that it seemed like a lot of the the patients I was seeing uh, were making. Progress, but very slow progress. And then I, I did a child rotation, and it was, um, you know, I saw these kids, and they were really flexible and willing to learn. And I, I just started to have this passion for early intervention. And plus, the kids are just so great; they're funny, and I just uh, every day was a was a laugh for me. So I, I really developed a, a love for working with kids, and and their the fun imaginations, and and just things like that.
0: What do you think your favorite part of your job is?
1: These uh, these big personalities and these little bodies. You know these uh, these kids are. Are just so funny and they're so full of life. And uh, I love working with them and playing games with them. And um, it's, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the only people that gets to play with toys still um, into adulthood. And um, I just love coming to work and having fun every day.
0: Tell me about the Anna Shaw Children's Institute.
1: We opened back in spring of 2019. We serve children birth to, to age 11 who are experiencing challenges with developmental delays. The institute includes uh, me, a psychologist. Just, uh, two developmental behavioral pediatricians. Uh, physical, occupational, and speech therapy. We also do feeding therapy and music therapy. Um, And we have um, behavior analysts and other uh, very dedicated staff uh, there to help patients. So we do physical therapy. We do occupational therapy. We do uh, speech therapy. Psychological services include individual therapy, family counseling, um, and just behavioral support services. We also do assessment. Um, So we assess kids with developmental delays or cognitive delays. And we we also um, have a a treatment navigator that helps families to navigate this difficult process of receiving treatment. And it's it's a really unique opportunity that we have here in Dalton to have all of these services under one roof. And we're happy to provide those services to the community.
0: Wow, that is wonderful that all this is available to families here in our community. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the specific services that are offered at Anna Shaw Children's Institute and some helpful strategies to help with anxiety. We'll be right back. Do you snore? Are you always tired? You could be suffering from obstructive sleep apnea. Hamilton Regional Sleep Center provides real solutions for sleep apnea, insomnia, narcolepsy, and restless leg syndrome. Overnight sleep testing is conducted by highly trained technologists in a warm and friendly environment. Call Hamilton Regional Sleep Center, 706-278-4757. That's 706-278-4757. So we've learned a little about how you and the rest of the team at Anna Shaw Children's Institute helps kids and families, but can you tell me about some of the specific services that are offered?
1: Yeah, sure. So the psychological services that we we offer are um, well first uh, what we call ABA therapy, uh, applied behavior analysis, and this is a a therapy that. Uh, that we we do with very young kids um, and, and you know up to age 11 but it's it's a pretty intensive form of therapy and it helps children who are having uh, behavioral difficulties that might be placing themselves at a uh, at risk of having an accident or maybe just their adaptive living skills are, are deficit and right. so we have therapists that, that work with them sometimes multiple hours a day to help them build those skills. We also have individual therapy where children who may be struggling with anxiety or depression might be able to get services and this is especially important since we also see children with autism and it's often difficult for providers to provide those types of counseling services if they don't have the experience working with children who have developmental delays as well. We also provide family therapies just because we recognize that the best helpers that these children will have are their are their families and their parents. So we provide training for the parents to help them maximize their time and their influence on their...
0: Now on the family therapies would that be the entire family including the children or just the parents or sometimes
1: both? Sometimes it does include the whole family, um, especially sibling dynamics are very important um, when we're talking about uh, treatment of, of children with developmental delays. So more often than not, it's just the parents. Um, and often it's just one parent just because um, we have work schedules and things that we need to work around. But no matter how many people show up, we're able to, to do some good and to really help uh, these kids. And part of you know, it's kind of fun, too, with this family therapy. Sometimes we have rooms with uh you know, uh, one way glass, and uh, we might provide them with, with coaching. You know, we might put a, a little radio in their ear and give them some live coaching. We have a great time with the parents. Oh, what um, a great idea. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and I think a lot of parents are, are kind of sad to leave because they're having such a good time with it. And they and, learn so much. They do. They very learn much so. so much, yes. Very much so. We also have a social skills group that we're very proud of. So many kids, they, um, in this age of technology, sometimes they don't learn all the social skills that we would like them to have and so we have a group that meets um, I go and work with the parents and we have some wonderful facilitators that takes the kids and they they play games together and they do activities that are going to help them to practice these social skills that they learn. Um, and we've seen a lot of great success from that as well. And then we also have um, an evaluate we have psychological evaluations that we offer. So much of, of children's lives is school, and we want to help them um, to have success within school, not only because that's going to teach them the skills that they need to learn to thrive in life, but also many of the services that are available to our children can only be accessed through the school or are more readily accessed through the school. So so we do the, the psychological evaluations that help them to gain access to those those right. services. No, no, exactly. It's very important. Indeed. Indeed. So we also have um, we also we want to connect kids with resources. Um, as mentioned earlier, we have a, a care navigator, and one of her jobs is to connect families to resources. And we have some we have some pretty exciting connections out in the community. You know, we, we connect kids to uh, what's called hippotherapy, which is actually working with horses and hippo and, and therapy hippotherapy. hippo, hippo
0: what, therapy okay that's
1: right um yeah which hippo apparently means horse so um <laughs> it's, it's horse <laughs> therapy so you know working with that can be a lot of do a lot of good for the kids but we um we like to connect them to the to the many abundant resources we have in the community both from a just kind of a, a fun standpoint and for providing financial aid to the to the families and just whatever we can do to help. We also have a great uh, music therapist. She uh, recognizes that um, music can often be a pathway to reaching children who aren't reached in any other way and um, she exercises great behavioral principles and teaches the parents as she goes and teaches the kids as she goes all while they're playing instruments and singing songs and
0: I think that is so important. I think children a lot of children and, and you know much more than I do about this, but a lot of children, music is so important to them. They spend so mm-hmm. many hours listening to music and if they get the opportunity to play music and to learn music and they can learn around that and that I'm sure would, would help in any kind of p- issues that come up in their lives.
1: That's right that's absolutely and it's a great confidence builder for them too as mm. they start to learn some some of the patterns that they can follow along and it's it's just a really wonderful uh, avenue to have good.
0: Let's talk about anxiety. Many people deal with anxiety, even children.
1: All emotions serve a purpose. Anger can help us take control of a situation. Sadness can be a a signal to others that we're needing help. And pursuing happiness can help us to achieve great things. So feeling anxious helps us to anticipate potential obstacles um, or problems that we might encounter. The problem is is that sometimes we start to anticipate problems in an exaggerated way or imagine obstacles that aren't really present. Uh, So kids with their limited life experience and big imagination are certainly not immune to this.
0: Why do you think that anxiety is more prevalent now than in earlier times in history?
1: Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I think that uh, there's many reasons. Uh, We can start with one that I think is really fascinating. I mean, that just has to do with how our brain has grown over the the many, many decades and centuries. There's a term called the Savannah Principle, uh, which is basically... Stating that the last big growth in our brain was 10,000 years ago. And so we have a, we have a a 10,000 year old brain that's trying to deal with modern problems. Mm -hmm. And so an example of how that might be a problem is you think about some of the issues that might have caused us to worry back then might have been getting attacked by a large animal, um, not having enough food, or really it was about survival. And so, if you know you have a big uh, report due or you have a big presentation coming due, those. The strategies that would help you survive a bear attack aren't exactly going to help you very much in this presentation. That's right.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So, in order, so when your brain feels nervous and is trying to to escape something, you, it might increase your heart rate. Um, it might make your breathing more rapid. Um, it might make your stomach uh, kind of hurt because it stops digestion. And it's, well, these
0: are all things that have happened to me, <clears throat> they've got to happen to other yeah. people. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, hopefully, some people are getting some answers right. Now, where they they know that they're not uh, they're dying or going crazy or anything. <laughs> that everybody feels these things, and it's just your body trying to help you in a difficult situation, but it just doesn't quite have the updates that it needs yet. And so, um, when we experience panic attacks, it's just our our brain trying to prepare us. For that fight or flight reflex that we learn about in seventh grade biology, which, as I said, you know, it it helps if we're getting attacked by a bear. It does not help us if we're trying to work on a report that's due the next day. I I think that um, a lot of times, helping people to understand that is one of the biggest steps where they know that they can, that this is just a natural thing within their body and it's something that they can fix.
0: Let's take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk about the different types of anxiety.
1: When a loved one is recovering at home from an injury, surgery, or illness, or needs assistance with disease management at home, Hamilton Home Health is here to help. Hamilton has provided compassionate, expert medical care in Northwest Georgia for over 30 years. Our nurses, social workers, and physical, occupational, and speech therapists work together to provide excellent medical care in the comfort of your home. Hamilton Home Health, 706-226-2848.
0: Dr. Anderson, there are different types of anxiety,
1: right? Yeah, that's right. There's um, I, I think the most common and the one that people recognize the most is is generalized anxiety, which is when you're basically just worrying all day. Um, when you you tend to look at things and worry about them, and you you want to kind of maybe catastrophize a little bit, assume the worst is going to happen, and you might uh, you might find it difficult to calm down. And the problem with this is that um, as you keep worrying and as your body Body remains keyed up. Right. That you start to you start to feel very fatigued. Um, you feel tired. Your muscles hurt. It might impact your sleep, and you become irritable. So many people who have generalized anxiety just because their body is redlining so often, they start to feel the physical symptoms of anxiety which we call somatization and they begin to think that something's very wrong with their body and that, that you know that they, they might be dying um, is actually a very common belief when you have this anxiety and you've been living with it for a long time and so we what we find is that many people who um, present in the ER are often there because of anxiety and just anxiety symptoms that have built up over time and have caused pains to develop in the body. This would be a, like a panic attack? Yeah, so it'd be very similar to a panic attack and and oftentimes people go to the ER because of panic attacks because panic attacks often mimic heart attack symptoms. And so, uh, you know, it's of course, it's better safe than sorry and we want people to go and check that out. But part of the treatment for anxiety is to recognize when symptoms are being brought on by anxiety and when they're being brought on by something maybe a little bit more serious. I
0: got you. Okay.
1: And then, we, you know, we have, we have social anxiety as well. And social anxiety is experienced very heavily amongst children where they just they have an irrational fear of being in social situations and really what that boils down to is they feel like if they go into a situation that a social situation that they're going to be what we call negatively evaluated that right. that somebody's going to judge them um and that
0: that's that peer thing
1: that's that peer thing you know and honestly we've all been through high school maybe a little bit of social anxiety is a little bit healthy for us all but um, we don't want it to get too far, and no. and uh, so what goes on in the brain is that you make this assumption. Well, if I go talk to that group, they're going to make fun of me. So you don't go talk to that group, and your brain says, "Hey, you did a great job. We avoided getting made fun of." But you know the trick there is: did we actually avoid getting made fun of, or do we avoid making new friends? So part of the way we treat that is by teaching kids to go and experiment, you know, and, and giving them the courage to go try it out and, and, and learn that, hey, bad things don't always happen.
0: Now, this happens around strangers, around friends, and even sometimes in the lunchroom, you know. you yes. got you got a place to sit and you want to sit with your friends or you want to sit with new people or That's you exactly want to right. make new friends and you don't want to get embarrassed or embarrass yourself.
1: That's right. We, we, we protect ourselves and sometimes to our own detriment.
0: And that goes into adulthood.
1: Yes, it does. We we carry that into adulthood with us and it's much easier to be uh, unsocial when we're an adult because we can choose when and where we go places, whereas right. kids are often kind of pushed into si- social situations. And it's oftentimes a good thing. I'm not saying to always push your kids into social situations, but it's it's a great thing for them to learn. To get out to, of their comfort zone exactly, sometimes. Exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. So we also have specific phobias. And I think specific phobias are something that people get really interested in. They often ask me, what's the name of this phobia? And I, I don't know, I never know. <laughs> um, it's uh, so. There's but so many of them. There, there are so many of them. I I can't. I can't remember all the names. Um, the important part is that. They are scared of this one thing, and and sometimes it's brought on by a negative experience, and other times it's just something that they were kind of born with, and we don't really know where it came from. But it's just that there are some things in some people's minds that are really, really scary to them, and they will avoid it at all costs. And it will often um, it disrupt their life and disrupt their success if they don't get it treated.
0: Well, you know, an uh, excellent example. A lot of people love clowns. Other people are scared to death of clowns.
1: That's exactly right. You know, there's a whole business built around clowns that's so right. apparently enough people like them but a clown phobia is actually a very common one
0: and i can't imagine why people would be afraid of a clown oh, they're there to make you laugh right that's right and but many people are scared to death of them and the number 13 or um you know there's so many of them mm-hmm. there's so many of them uh, snakes now would snakes be one Absolutely. Okay, because then I'm scared of snakes.
1: Yeah. But I, well, I don't
0: really know anybody who's not.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, and of course, it's, you kind of get into this gray area where, like, oh, aren't you supposed to be a little bit as afraid of snakes? Right. Like, shouldn't that be a good, isn't that a good, healthy fear? And really, it comes down to to what degree are you afraid of snakes? So there, there are go. some people that will leave the room if a snake pops up on the TV, you know? Oh, and, wow. Okay. Um, and so it's. So that would be a phobia. That would be a phobia. Gotcha. Yeah. So the same thing with, like, heights. You know, you have, obviously, having a healthy fear of heights is a healthy thing. But if you won't even, you know, climb up five feet of stairs because of fear, of that's an issue. That's a different, yeah, it's a different story. So then we have, um, we have some conditions that are related to anxiety, like obsessive compulsive disorder. And then up until, you know, about five years ago, obsessive compulsive disorder used to be considered an anxiety disorder. But now it's kind of its own thing. And we'll leave that to the, the scientists to to tell us why. I don't really know why they, they made Moved it its it. own thing, yes. but it's still very much treated like an anxiety disorder. Now, what you're... is that exactly? So obsessive compulsive disorder is is made up of two components, surprisingly obsessions mm-hmm. and compulsions. So obsessions are thoughts that kind of rush into your head unbidden and they, they stay there and you can't get them out. No matter how hard you try, they're just thoughts that keep coming and keep coming. We you're call obsessed them, with this. You're obsessed with it. Exactly. Yes, okay. We call them intrusive thoughts. And oftentimes to deal with these intrusive thoughts, we develop what we call compulsions, which are these little rituals that we convince ourselves will help us with these obsessions. So as an example, if you're obsessed with this idea of your of your house burning down, you may develop the compulsion to check your stove 22 times before you leave or Maybe you need to take a picture of the of the store the stove knobs to make sure that they're off And you can see why that might make you late for work Or maybe you're having to leave during lunch to go check on your stove and all the the wires in your house And some of these compulsions make sense to the situation and other others of them are kind of strange
0: And Um, these are things people make up in their own mind
1: there are yep They just they come from the the human mind and but there are ways to help people there are there's there's medications um and there's forms of like exposure therapy where you can help demonstrate to people that if they do not go through their rituals, that life will still move on and not only will it move forward, but it will move forward successfully. You kind of uh, you introduce them to these things subsequently and and gradually. And so just going back to the example of the stove, if somebody needs to check their stove 22 times, you might encourage them. Well, why don't you try 21 times and see what happens? And keep
0: bringing that number down
1: keep bringing the number down and and just demonstrating to them that this this is okay if this doesn't happen and um, and, you know that obviously takes time but but you build some momentum with them as you get going as they start to trust the process a little bit and it's honestly something that they will carry with them for the rest of their life but you can bring those symptoms down to a uh, you can turn down the volume on those symptoms quite a bit
0: well this is very interesting there is so much to to be learned about this and and so many lessons to be learned
1: yeah and i you know and i'm, I'm hoping that if somebody is going through this that they can you know recognize that uh, this is very treatable and this is something that's kind of within the realms of normal and you're not the only one you're not the only one exactly and then lastly we we look at uh, we look at post-traumatic stress syndrome which is when our body or we experience something traumatic and I think a a misconception about PTSD is that it has to be something that you experience directly but this can often be something that we experience indirectly I've had children that are traumatized by stories that they've heard Um, this that they've related to them to such a degree that that they traumatized and it fundamentally shifted the way they thought about it. And, And what happens in the brain is there is a fundamental shift where your brain kind of shifts from maybe, you know, casually exploring the world, looking for new fun things to learn to being in a survival mode. And so oftentimes you have to to monitor your environment and and trauma can really impact your body very negatively. So it's important if you have been traumatized to, to seek treatment so that your body is not so anxious all of the time, because it can really impact your health in a major way.
0: I never knew there were so many different kinds. What are some of the signs that a child is suffering from anxiety?
1: A big one is insomnia. So if they're having a difficult time going to sleep mm-hmm. at night um, and also early waking. So if they're just not sleeping very well, honestly, that's something that many of the adults listening will probably relate to as well. When we're worried about something, we can't fall asleep and then we're, we're up before the sun trying to deal with it. But also with kids, we want to look at skin picking or nail biting or hair twisting, things like that, they will often develop these little fidgets or these little ticks that that might indicate some some anxiety. Sometimes kids are very critical of themselves. We might recognize one of our own children as perfectionistic, but if it's something that they kind of are, are constantly belitt- belittling themselves and, and just talking about how they could have done better, that could also be a sign of that fear of negative evaluation.
0: What are some of the conditions in addition to anxiety that you treat at the Anna Shaw Children's Institute.
1: Um, that's a good question, and it's um, it's an important one. Just in just because when we're dealing with with mental illness, it, the differential diagnosis is important. So a lot of times we've talked about how there's sometimes overlap in in some of these symptoms where a kid might be getting in trouble at school because of anxiety. We might assume it's ADHD or oppositional defiant behavior, but it's important to identify what is actually driving these behaviors. Behaviors. so things that we we treat at Anishaw, we uh, treat attention disorder, attention deficit disorder of course autism spectrum disorder we do treat ODD, oppositional defiant disorder or any type of behavioral issues that are that are occurring uh, we do treat anxieties we we work with kids um, who have general anxiety social anxiety selective mutism and phobias uh, so we we want to, to treat all the kids with anxiety and even even um, kids that may have been through something traumatic we Treat kids who have uh, learning disabilities as well. We help to identify those those children through evaluation. A lot of those evaluations can be offered through the school, but sometimes we do kind of a deeper dive into their cognitive functioning. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, we we will also uh, help kids with just basic adaptive living skills as well. We help kids with speech disorders, language disorders, physical impairment. We help them get set up with the right equipment, um, the right programs, and help them to develop handwriting skills and all of the the needed skills that children need to succeed both in school and outside of school.
0: Dr. Anderson, thanks for that great information. If you could leave our listeners with one word of advice about anxiety,
1: what would it be? That you're not alone and that there are ways to treat it and make your life better if you're willing to put the effort into it. But don't, don't, don't run away from it. Resist that urge to run away from it and just meet it head-on and it'll get better. For more information
0: about Anna Shaw Children. Institute, call 706-226-8900 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash children. For an appointment at the Institute, please ask your child's pediatrician for a referral. This program in no way seeks to diagnose or treat illness or to replace professional medical care. Please see your health care provider if you have a health problem. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System.